Are the Falcons about to do the unthinkable and take a running back in the first round? Well, guys, we're going to talk about why and how the Falcons drafting Bijan Robinson actually makes sense. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black. And, of course, the very humble host that never in his life has ever predicted the Falcons to take a running back in the first round of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast. Your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day, always cracking myself uh, up every day on this illustrious podcast and make sure you subscribe for follow for free so that you can have your laughs too on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we're starting off the conversation talking about B. John Robinson. We're going to spend the rest of the day talking with other folks about other running backs beyond B. John Robinson that they like Savion Mixon of blog and dirty and new millennium Falcons podcast. We'll also be talking with Matt Waldman of the rookie scouting portfolio as well about some running backs that are not named B. John Robinson that could help the Falcons out at this position. But let's start talking about B. John Robinson. And, you know, even though I've always thought the idea of the Falcons taking B. John Robinson was very plausible and a very possible outcome, I've always been to a certain extent skeptical that ultimately when push came to shove, the Falcons would pull the trigger on B. John Robinson at the top of the 2023 draft. You know, I always thought, you know, defensive player, an offensive lineman, if they're available at eight, you know, taking Bijan Robinson becomes a lot less likely. Um, I've always kind of put a number between like 10 and 20 percent in terms of the possibility, the chances of the Falcons taking Bijan Robinson. But it seems like those odds are going up based off of outside factors. But to me, the case for why I've always thought Bijan Robinson was a plausible pick for the Falcons was because it would truly be the test for whether or not this team, when they say we take the best player available, they truly mean we're going to take the best player available, right? Because I've compiled 21 draft boards from across the internet to come up with a sort of consensus rankings. And Bijan Robinson is the fourth highest ranked player on that consensus draft board. He's ranked higher across these draft boards over CJ Stroud, uh, Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson, Peter Skaronsky, Devin Witherspoon. And because we know historically the Falcons, at least in the early rounds, haven't strayed too far from the consensus in terms of who they've liked with these top 10 picks the last couple of drafts, it's very plausible that the Falcons could see Bijan rank Bijan Robinson over some of those other players that may or may not be available with that eighth overall pick. And as I said, there's been a lot of recent buzz that puts Bijan Robinson as the favorite pick, right? You go to FanDuel, you know, official partner of, of the NFL and official sports book of the Locked On Network. For the last week, Bijan has been the front runner to be the number eight overall pick, right? There was a couple of days there over the weekend where Nolan Smith kind of overtook him. Uh, but Bijan is back in the front row. You have both Peter King, you have Albert Breer in their mocks earlier this week, 
project him to the Falcons with the eighth overall selection. And according to our good buddy, Miles Garrett, you know, Peter King's final mock that he's put out the last three years has nailed the Falcons pick. Right. And both King, both Breer mention the possibility that the Falcons are wanting to move back. And it makes sense, right. For the Falcons, if they're going to take a player like B. John Robinson to move back three spots, five spots, possibly eight spots or more, and still probably be in a position to take B. John Robinson, especially if a team wants to come up for a quarterback. And there's been more talk over the last couple of days that, you know, these quarterbacks are sliding down the board a CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, a Will Levis. We shall see. And if one of those teams comes up for a quarterback, the Falcons can move back and be comfortable, maybe not safe uh, with the idea that B. John Robinson will still be there in the middle of the first round. When you look at the teams other than the Falcons, Philadelphia is probably the only team that realistically uh, could take him at 10. And pretty much everybody who covers the Philadelphia Eagles does not believe that Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, will actually veer from you know his rules and and take a running back uh, in the first round. And so it's been decreasing buzz over the last few weeks that you know Bijan Robinson is actually in play for the Eagles at ten. But let's talk about Bijan Robinson, the player, and what can what do you need to hear from me uh, about Bijan Robinson? I've long said. Uh, on Twitter and, and on this podcast, there are two types of people in the world, right? There are Bijan Robinson fans and all the people that haven't watched him yet, right? And I asked to all of you guys in the comments and elsewhere, you know, how long did it take for you to sit down and watch Bijan Robinson before you realized he was good, right? You know, I don't have to sell you on Bijan Robinson as a football player because it's so blatantly obvious how good a football player he is. He's a complete running back. He has the speed, the power, the quickness, the balance, the burst, the vision. He can catch. He can block. He can do it all. Right. And depending on who you talk to, he can do it all better than any running back we've seen in the last five years since Saquon Barkley, since any running back we've seen in, in over 15 years since Adrian Peterson. Right. But we all know he's a running back and teams don't draft running backs in the first round, let alone draft running backs in the top 10, top 15 picks. And the analytics nerds are correct, right? We, we, we're a fan of analytics here on this podcast, but we don't take it so far uh, to, to believe that basically, you know, running backs don't matter as some people are out there putting it, but they're absolutely right. All the data tells you that taking a running back high in the draft is a sub optimal pick. And it's based off of the idea that this is a passing league and the things that help you win the most are things that help you pass or things that prevent your opponent from passing. So that's why quarterback left tackle, you know, wide receiver, pass rusher, cornerback, or the premium positions that teams invest in that teams overwhelmingly. I think the number is like 70% of the time, you know, our top 10 picks come from those five positions. Right. And it's understandable, and I can't defend it. I can't defend the idea of taking a running back as, hey, this is worthwhile, other than there are exceptions to every rule. And I think Arthur Smith is the type of coach, and we'll see if Terry Fontenot is the type of general manager, being all sneaky and stuff. But Arthur Smith is the type of coach that, you know, he'll probably just say analytics be damned, right? We're not trying to play fantasy football here, right? We're trying to win football games. And I think he'll look at B. John Robinson in the same way that he looked at Derrick Henry, right? 
as that force in their offense that can provide stability, that can be the foundation of your offense. And it goes back to a conversation we had back in June of 2021 after the Falcons traded Julio Jones. And I talked about what was the thing that the Falcons were losing the most in Julio Jones was that foundational player. Longtime listeners of this podcast know that I've often referred to Julio Jones during his time here in Atlanta as the sun, meaning, you know, the, the sun holds 99% of the gravity in the solar system. Julio Jones holds the gravity that he keeps all the planets rotating, right? In the Falcons offense. That's the player that every single Sunday when teams line up, we have to stop him. Right. And if you're the Falcons and you sit here and say, this is the foundation of our offense. This is the player that we run our offense through. And you can't find great offenses in the league that don't have probably one, at least one skill position player that is that foundational piece. Right. And when we drafted Kyle Pitts, a lot of people thought Kyle Pitts would be that guy. And Kyle Pitts may very well be that guy, but he hasn't been that guy yet. Some people will continue to hold that against them because they're still butthurt that the Falcons took a player that they thought they should have taken at four in that 2021 draft. But I, I don't hold it against Kyle Pitts. Right. Because like you look at Travis Kelsey, the, the tight end that would be the equivalent of the son for the Kansas City Chiefs offense, as he has often been over the last five to seven years. And Travis Kelsey didn't become that player until his fourth year in the NFL when he was 27 years old. So I look at a player like Kyle Pitts, and I don't think he has to be that guy at the age of 22 quite yet. You know, Obviously, I want him to be, but if he's not that guy, that's not something that I'm going to hold it against him. But in the case of a player like B. John Robinson, he can be that son, right? He can be that foundational piece that you say, we got to stop him, just like teams said when Arthur Smith was in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. And I also think, you know, he can also put some butts in the seats because I recall uh, some Falcon fans, our, our favorite uh, Desmond Ritter hater, CrackerJack19 on Twitter, uh, had a, a Twitter space a couple of weeks ago, back in March, talking about the marketability of, you know, the Falcons and, and needing that marketable player. And they were talking about the quarterback. That was when the whole Lamar Jackson, you know, will they, won't they stuff was going on. And I didn't listen to the full space because at a certain point people started talking about, you know, we should have taken George Pickens in the draft and my eyes immediately glaze over anytime someone starts playing revisionist history about, you know, who we should have taken in a draft in previous years. Cause I'm just like, unless you have a time machine, this is a boring conversation, but that's just my own personal uh, hill to die on. But it was notable to me that I thought there were some poignant things said about the type of team that Arthur Smith wants to build, the type of identity that he wants to have here in Atlanta. He wants a team that is more about, you know, toughness and grit and physicality than necessarily one star player that you can, especially at the quarterback position, that you can put on the pedestal and like the, the entire team revolves around him. And I think Bijan Robinson embodies that type of player that I think Arthur Smith and company may be looking for here in Atlanta, right? Because we'll have a bunch of fans complaining about, oh, you can't take a running back in the first round, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, when Sunday comes, people are going to be lining up in the streets to go watch that running back play on football if he winds up living up to all the hype. Uh, that he has going for him. And I think, you know, Bijan Robinson can be that sort of marketable centerpiece star here for the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't think he's alone 
in terms of fitting that archetype in this draft. But I do think the Falcons are about getting tough, physical, hard-nosed football players. And I think Bijan Robinson makes a lot of sense for that reason. We'll ultimately see if the Falcons pull the trigger on him at eight or they go in a different direction. Do the Falcons move back and try to take him later in the draft? We'll have to sort of see, you know, we're, we're counting down the hours right now at this point uh, in terms of when that will happen. But we'll move the conversation beyond Bijan Robinson, although we'll talk a little bit more about Bijan Robinson with our next guest, Savion Mixon of Blog and Dirty in the new Millennium Falcons podcast. Uh, he'll talk about Bijan and why he likes Bijan here in Atlanta, because uh, he's been he's been pushing the, the Bijan train uh, pretty hard as well. Um, and he'll also talk about some later round running backs that he also likes as we continue today's lockdown Falcons guys. But before we get there, I, I do want to tell you guys what's in store for you here on the lockdown podcast network on Thursday night during the draft, join Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, the two draft dudes, uh, as well as other locked on NFL experts. Myself probably will stop by at some point for their live NFL draft coverage presented by ultimate football. GM starts Thursday at 7:30 PM. Eastern. They'll be covering not only rounds one, rounds two and three through Friday night. And then of course, Saturday, giving you some recaps after each round. So join the draft dudes for the first round on Thursday night, live on YouTube, as well as the locked on NFL scouting page at seven 30 Eastern time. So guys, if you're looking for a delicious snack and you don't want to have to deal with all the sugar and calories, you know, that come with it. Well, I have the perfect snack for you. It's built bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And the thing that makes Built Bar so delicious is that it's covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in sugar, calories, but they have a whopping 17 grams of protein. They come in great flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream. They just dropped their peanut butter puff flavor. That's what they were hyping up over the last couple of days. So go ahead and get yourself a box by heading over to built.com, ordering yourself a box. Use the promo code locked on 15. You'll get 15% off your order. But not only can you go to built.com to check out the peanut butter puff, you can get the same great flavors that you want at your woke local Walmart or Sam's Club. Walk to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate. Head to Sam's, run in and grab a 13 bar box of brownie batter puff or churro you will thank me later so wrapping up here with Savion Mixon you can find his stuff at New Millennium Falcons and of course blogging dirty um Savion let's talk about the running back position who you got for me so of course this wouldn't be the Lockdown Falcons podcast without talking about Bijan Robinson a little bit okay I mean kind of have to mm-hmm. uh huge I mean just just huge explosive guy He's just not a regular running back prospect. And I don't, and I think that seeing guys like Bill Barnwell and all these types of guys that are kind of against, you know, using that eight pick against, um, um, for a running back, I just, I don't, the value's there because he's a, he's a slot, he basically could be a slot receiver, an outside receiver. He's a matchup nightmare. And just picturing a bunch formation with him, London, and, pitch just I, I i i i can't get it out of my head now now that it's in there yeah i mean you, you talk about lockdown falcons you know pushing the the Bijan agenda you know it feels like you've kind of overtaken me over the last couple of weeks on, on pushing that Bijan agenda a hundred percent and if you need me to take the range just fully i will if, if okay. that's the case All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, the vision is just the vision is too nice. It is. It. And if you you love, I know we say that we love Tyler Algier, but you don't want to. This is obviously a run-oriented offense. You don't want to run him into the ground. Best way to not run him into the ground is to get him uh, <laughs> the best running mate known, uh, in this draft right now. So it just makes sense to me. Yes, yes. Definitely, you know, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb sort of combination between those two guys with Bijan and Tyler Algier. And certainly we saw that combination be kind of the guiding principle to leading the Browns to the postseason a couple of years ago when they didn't necessarily have elite quarterback play from Baker Mayfield. Uh, And so I do think that is something that the Falcons can borrow a page from. Obviously it didn't work out for Baker Mayfield long-term in Cleveland. Uh, Obviously we would hope things would go a little bit differently for Desmond Ritter here in Atlanta, but certainly I think it would, you know, improving that running game, I think certainly would elevate the floor for the Atlanta Falcons, but I imagine Savion Bijan isn't the only player that you have your eye on that could help provide that, right? Uh, it is not. Um, also, like uh, Kenny McIntosh, uh, got to talk with him a little bit at the Senior Bowl. Great guy, Florida guy, which is obviously going to bring me <laughs> going to bring me into the fold. Um, but just what he brings to the passing game, um, solid runner, solid vision, and I mean he's just a just an all-around athlete, versatile athlete that you can put into this offense and Arthur Smith can be able to use. I mean, we give, we're giving Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter just all the, all these weapons, you know, something's good. Something's good's going to happen <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. Kenny McIntosh, you know, continues a long line of very successful Georgia running backs uh, making the leap to the NFL. We just mentioned Nick Chubb. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's going to be on Nick Chubb's level, but certainly I think he's a guy that in the James Cook, you know, DeAndre Swift is yeah. that a fair sort of tier for Kenny McIntosh. I like I, I like James Cook the most because I think that's that's kind of the it's kind of the blueprint of what you're what you're getting from Kenny McIntosh. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any other running backs you got for us? One last one is Evan Hull from Northwestern. Um, I talked with him uh, at the Senior Bowl as well, and um, I asked him uh, swiftly, uh, is, a, um, is a hot dog a sandwich? I did. And he gave me the most thorough answer as to why it is not a sandwich. And I was like, you know, I may have to reconsider my stance on this. And, I, and it's, it's just he's, he's a smart guy, um, downhill runner, um, almost exactly what you get from Tyler Algier. So let's say you don't. Let's say you want to give Tyler Algier a break and you don't want to get let up on the defense, uh, you know, in the on third down or in or when the game's starting to get uh, close in the fourth. You can just bring Evan Hull in and you get similar, maybe not as explosive, but similar, uh, similar product uh, production. Yeah, I just learned an interesting fact yesterday that Northwestern only won one game this past year. And I was just like. How yep. like they, <laughs> they have all these good players on their team? Like, like I, you know, obviously I'm not necessarily clearly I'm not dialed into college football as much yeah. as I should be. You know, <laughs> learning that you know in in early April when that was established in, in December. But like, I was just like, okay, like apparently just yeah. some some parts of Northwestern were, were downright terrible this past year. But Evan Hall was not one of them. Is is the point I'm trying to make here? So 
yeah, definitely a, a good player. And certainly I think a guy probably in that, what, fifth, sixth round range, you, you sort of see, you see him go it earlier than that? It definitely looks about fifth or sixth, just with how many running backs are in this class. Um, yeah, he might be one of those that falls and it's like, oh, look at this that I found. Kind of like how Algier did. So it just yeah. very much uh, following the Algier mold. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Well, uh, Savion, is there are there any other players that you would like to see the Falcons, you know, target? You know, the, you have the floor. So, if if you want to push any uh, agenda, now is the time. I am pushing the Bryce Ford Wheaton agenda wholeheartedly. Um, Brugler had him as a seventh seventh round guy, and I think that is a travesty. But I also understand because he's not exactly the most refined of route runners, but he does have that long stride that eats up uh, that eats up ground really quickly. Uh, so let's say you just you just feel like getting another athlete and just throwing a dart in on day three. I think Bryce Four Wheaton is the perfect guy for that uh, insane athlete. Tested out extremely well at the combine. It just he he he's another guy that I would be like, yeah, I'll go ahead and take a flyer on him. Wide receiver from West Virginia, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Only thing is he can't he can't be the first one to wear zero. That's the only thing. Because he, he's he's too raw to do he's too raw of a prospect to do that. Well, I mean, now the Falcons have to take Christian Gonzalez just to get him to wear zero, right? <sighs> I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. It just makes sense. So uh speaking of Christian Gonzalez, you know, since I have you here, we got a few minutes. Uh <laughs> what did you think of the Akuda trade? <sighs> so I'm excited because we're I love getting guys that, you know, this is definitely a reclamation project just overall. Um and then seeing Steve Weiss say this shouldn't take us out of the um the cornerback uh discussion at eight, which makes me happy because it's like that's just depth. That's just plain depth. If we do go, yeah, we get Okuda, cool, but then we also get Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon. Big Devin Witherspoon guy got to talk to you about that um <laughs> but if we do so happen to get christian gonzalez um after getting jeffrey okuda i mean that's just depth that's just receiver i mean excuse me corner after corner that we can just keep on the field and that's there's no drop off in talent or in production in my opinion um it just it it it's it, it, it's it's an amazing time to be in a in atlanta Falcons fan. i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it on that note. That's a positive <laughs> note to, to leave it. It's an amazing time to be an Atlanta Falcon fan. It hasn't that statement has not been said that often on this podcast over the last no. couple of years. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Let the people know where they can find your stuff if they want to continue to read your insights into this draft class as well as other things on the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, if you want uh optimistic takes on the Atlanta Falcons, I am found here at uh Mixon S M I X S O N. S underscore NFL. Um, I write for Around the Block Network, atbnetwork.com. Do a, a wonderful podcast with great guys, uh, the New Millennium Falcons podcast, and just started working over at uh, bloggingdirty.com. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, find me wherever. Yeah, I might have to get Fleek on just to, to complete the oh, set for the New Millennium to. Falcons. Yeah, so, yeah. Have we'll, to. We'll, we'll, I'll reach out to him in the in the next couple of weeks to, to see what that's about. So, because uh, Hunter and Treshawn were on during the Senior Bowl, if you guys don't know the rest of that group, so go check out that episode with Hunter Thompson and, and Treshawn Diaz. 
and and of course check out their stuff new million falcons check out Savion stuff at blog and dirty Savion again i really appreciate you uh coming on and uh you know look forward to seeing if the falcons target some of these guys and we'll have to have you on post draft to you know sing the praises of of maybe one or two of these guys if the falcons wind up uh landing them that sounds like a plan thanks so much for having me it's, it's been a pleasure absolutely so guys we have more to come on today's episode from our second guest matt waldman of the rookie scouting portfolio and he's going to give his thoughts on Tyler Algier and how and why he outperformed expectations. Because you guys may recall, we had Matt on the podcast last year after the draft, and he was skeptical of Tyler Algier as well as myself. And we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about, you know, the consensus RB2, right, in Jameer Gibbs uh, and why he might be a better complement to Tyler Algier than necessarily a B. John Robinson, as well as some other options in the middle and late rounds at the running back position. But guys, in addition to the live show from the draft dudes that you guys can check out on Thursday and Friday, um, we'll probably also be doing a, a live show in the lead up to uh, the Locked On NFL scouting coverage on YouTube and elsewhere. You can check out the Locked On Falcons YouTube uh, channel for probably a live show. We'll right now tentatively thinking it's going to be about 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, which will lead you into uh, Joe and Kyle's uh, coverage. And then after the round one, so roughly around midnight Eastern time, uh, we'll do a live reaction uh, breaking down, uh, you know, night one of the draft. And that will obviously go out to all the audio platforms. But of course, make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get that action. So I'm here with Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, which you guys can make sure you, you buy it at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Trust me, it is worth your time. Uh, lots of great information on the various players, uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, etc., cetera, uh, in this upcoming draft class. And as well, you get great breakdowns from uh, post-draft once Matt knows where the players go. Uh, so you definitely want to get that update on that. But Matt, I know you were not necessarily the highest on Tyler Algier last year. I was not the highest on Tyler Algier last year for similar reasons that you had with him. But, you know, we're a year later. We saw him have a very productive rookie season. What were some of the things that you saw from Tyler Algier in his rookie season that impressed you? Well, first of all, the contact balance was a little better than what I saw at BYU. Um, watching him be able to take on defensive linemen and defensive ends head on and win some of those collisions were things that I didn't see him do at BYU with the the viewings you know and I, I watch a lot of tape of these guys didn't really see that so you, that was good um, also you know one of the things that I noted about him was that he is while he played a lot of zone that I thought he'd be more of a gap style player better gap style player in the nfl and when you look at what atlanta did with him while they did run some you know off tackle zone with him they ran a lot of toss they ran a lot of plays outside with him they didn't ask him to cut back too much and when he did he he didn't always cut back into the best spots but what he did so well was when you gave him that space tell tell him basically what line to hit he could maintain that line he could break the first or second tackle and the and I got to give Atlanta a lot of credit because on those plays they were able to really create enough space for him that if you couldn't get a good angle on Algier, he was going to get into the secondary. And while not the fastest guy, 
he he reminded me of kind of a a a middle class version of Spencer Ware, the former running back with the Chiefs, who is a little bit niftier, had a little bit better movement, um, but very powerful like Algier. So Algier did a great job being a hammer in this offense, and obviously he's always been a good pass catcher. Um, so you got a little bit of that, you, you know, involved too. But I'd say that Atlanta did a good job watching, you know, going back this morning and watching like the, the Ravens game, the Saints game, watching the Steelers and seeing what he did against those those units. I I I was impressed with overall the execution of both Algier and the line on perimeter plays. He did really the best, his best work came off tackle um or outside tackle, you know, I mean in that range. And he, and though he could run, obviously ran well inside and inside the red zone. And if you get at him, you know, working behind maybe a lead blocker, that was really good too. Um, but the, you know, to me, I think he's a good addition for the team. He did well. I think when I look back on my evaluation, I still probably would have him in the realm of, you know, I probably might have him a couple, you know, maybe a tier higher than I did. Um, but I wouldn't have probably put him much further, even though his production was strong. You look at Atlanta and you look at the league. The league ran more than it has really, or more effectively than it has any time in the past 10 years. You know, you look at Michael Lopez, who's the head stat researcher for the NFL, and he noted that after the first month. And it was easy to see what teams were doing because all these college um you know, the influence of college offenses being in the NFL, the spread, and and then defenses decide they're going to play a lot more cover too and kind of put a governor on the vertical game. And then having these safeties disguised as linebackers playing in the box, you know, offenses finally looked around and said, look, we, we now have the advantage to run gap plays that we can't usually run. And we couldn't run in the NFL with the same efficiency unless we had great athletes on the offensive line. Now we have the size advantage to do this and kind of this and an advantage to be able to win this way. So you saw a lot more counter, a lot more power, a lot more toss, a lot more ISO than you've seen in the league. And so I think the league's getting bigger um, on offense and with the influx of tight ends, that, you know, that, you know, I'm sure you guys will talk about down the line you know, with this tight end class, there's a possibility that we'll see that for another three to four years as college offenses, you know, or college defenses are still putting out these Isaiah Simmons, Deion Buchanan linebacker types who are really safety size players. And the NFL offenses say, well, we're going to, we're going to keep playing big ball a little bit more. If you're going to take away the, the deep game to the level that you did. And Atlanta's well suited to ride that trend right now. Absolutely. So with that in mind, who's the, the sort of player that you look at in this draft class that you would be like, that's that's a great pick for the Falcons to be a nice combination and complement Tyler Algier's skill set? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I you know, I don't think the Falcons are going to go anywhere remotely to running back as early as, you know, you know, but if Jameer Gibbs was for some reason someone was the apple of their eye, I can understand that because you can be a little more versatile with him and you can use him as a compliment to Algier and, you know, quick footed. I don't see the, 
I don't see the Alvin Kamara comparisons. You guys seen Alvin Kamara enough who who listening here to know that Alvin Kamara has unbelievable contact balance yeah. and Jameer Gibbs doesn't have that. He's more of a Charlie Garner type, which was a is a really good back or and he's aspirational Marshall Falk, but he's never going to get to Marshall Falk status if you ask me. Like quick, can catch, has to get a little better at routes. Alabama took him out of off the field on certain routes that you would think, okay, if you're that good of a a receiver, we're going to keep you in on. A guy who I, I think you could probably get a little later is Tyshea Spears out of Tulane. People are going to be scared of the two ACL tears. But when you watch how good he is, even with the two ACL tears, and you think about Frank Gore and him coming to the league with two ACL tears, and you know there were football fans everywhere wishing, who like their young running backs, wishing Frank Gore would finally retire because he would, but he was the he was the standard setter for coaches to show tape about what a running back does. Um, Tajay Spears is dynamic. He is, you know, he has the the burst. He has the cutting ability. He's the he's a terrific open field runner. He's one of the best open field runners in two best open field runners in this class. And along with Cordero Patterson, you'd have two of the better open field runners in the NFL on your team. Um, with Spears, he's also a pretty good receiver. He reminds me. Kind of of Jamal Charles because he knows how to use his his speed to dictate um, basically a chain of action against interior defenders to win um, inside, even though he's not the biggest back. And so I like him. Zach Evans, you can get later. Zach Evans out of um, Ole Miss, transferred from TCU. Look, I love this kid's game. Um, a lot of people are down on him because he had a turf toe injury and. He and they think Kendra Miller took his job, which Kendra Miller's a very good back, but he didn't. If you really look at it closely, um, Evans had more carries, dominated on touches. Um, he just got hurt, and then Miller had a nice season. And Evans left because he wanted a good NIL deal. Um, and he ended up going, and it's not like he went to Central Arkansas, he went to Ole Miss. You know, it wasn't a step back, and he just wound up on a team that happened to recruit one of the two best freshman running backs in the nation. So it's kind of like Terrell Davis going, you know, back when I was a student at the University of Georgia and covering the football team, Terrell Davis leaving from one program where he was really good with, under George Allen, the the legendary coach, then it was a defunct program. So he, he moved in and he ended up on the same team with Garrison Hurst, you know, and you, you would have thought that, you know, people were down on, on, on Davis because, they thought he got hurt too much, you, you know? Well, it's kind of a similar thing with Zach Evans. When you watch Zach Evans' TCU tape, very creative back, very smart back, efficient, has the speed you're looking for, a lot of good tackle-breaking contact balance metrics with him. He's he, he knows how to get skinny, how to get compact, how to keep his pads and his hips aligned. He's a competent pass catcher on checkdowns. And he could be a lead back or a bell cow back in the nfl if he needed to be if you wanted him to be that he he reminds me of guys like dalvin cook and clinton portis um in the sense he can cut more like clinton portis but he can have that curvy linear speed and movement to bend around people like cook um and again both can run between the tackles at a smaller size than you would expect and hold up and i think evans is that guy and people remember him for this whole quixotic recruiting journey this kid had a 3.7 gpa as a freshman at TCU, he's always been known as a good kid. He got suspended because he didn't want to give up his cell phone during the championship game uh, um, 
in his high school and that was a requirement you didn't want to do it well maybe that's an immature decision but i think of my kids they probably would have you know a lot of people's kids would have done that and when you consider the fact that his grandfather was really like the the biggest influence and from um parental type of influence in his life and his grandfather died the year before his his him taking on his recruiting and his parents i don't know enough about his parents but the way it's characterized i would summarize it is that maybe his parents were in a position to provide that level of guidance and zach decided to take it on on his own so a lot of this is smoke character wise about him but but the nfl teams tend to have a wide range of how they actually I don't know how competently they look at things like this. So I could see him dropping to the fourth or fifth round and the Falcons getting a steal. Those are two guys in, that come off the board. David A-Chain might be fun if you want a work done kind of aspirational player. He might be able to give you that. He's on the shorter side. I might prefer a guy like Sean Tucker, who people are a little bit down on, but his acceleration is some of the most notable I've seen on film this year. And he's he and Chase Brown are two guys that can give you that speed element catch the ball reasonably well, good cutback runners. So you get, they can run zone or gap. Um, Brown's a little better on zone. If you ask me, Sean Tucker's a little better on gap. So it just depends on how you think you want to use either of those guys. So those are, you know, six guys I think I, I mentioned right now that could fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought I was going to have to ask follow-up questions. Like, are there some guys, you know, that you, 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 uh, <laughs> you covered all your bases there, Matt, <laughs> with that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good running backs, a lot of players that I like on that list as well. You mentioned some comps for Jameer Gibbs. The one I've been working with is Aaron Jones. W- you know what? what is I that? like that. Yeah, okay. All right. I like uh, that. You know, yeah. Get validation here. Yeah. Matt Waldman yeah. on that uh, Aaron Jones comp. <laughs> so uh, that's all I needed. Um, so, yeah, those many running backs there, a lot of good players, certainly A-Chain, um, Tucker, certainly adding that speed element that I think is missing from the Falcons uh, room and whatnot. And obviously Gibbs and Spears and all those guys also add that element as well. So all of those guys would be great compliments to Tyler Algier, more the grinder type of running back. And then you have that guy that can be, you know, the, the lightning to the thunder sort of things. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode. And tomorrow on the podcast, we'll probably give you my final thoughts on the draft topics like you know what's at stake with this falcons draft pick but it will also be a a golden opportunity for you guys to send in your cues to get some a's uh you know and of course you can send those via twitter at locked on falcons or facebook at locked on falcons you can send an email to locked on falcons at mail.com you can leave a comment here on locked on falcons youtube channel or you can hit us up in the locked on falcons discord a link in the description below and guys continue to make locked on falcons your first listen shout out to all my everydayers that are making us your first listen every single day and for your second listen make sure you check out the locked on nfl mock draft special uh has been running on the locked on nfl uh feed and in locked on nfl draft feed you can find it on youtube the breakdown of who everybody picked if you missed the falcons pick I went with a defensive player, but I don't want to spoil it for those of you that haven't listened to that episode yet. So again, check out the Locked On NFL uh, mock draft special available across the Locked On, the various Locked On uh, feeds uh, on YouTube and elsewhere on your uh, preferred podcast platform. So guys, check that out. 
It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every 